Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I couldn't be happier to have you here today. This is the official second episode of the podcast, and I'm starting to pick up on a few tricks, so please bear with me in these first few as I master this rather challenging art of podcasting. It's not as easy as you'd think. If you've read my description, then you'll know that this podcast actually doesn't revolve around health. As a matter of fact, I'm hoping to have it be a rather broad spectrum of knowledge and inspiration that I just think would help some people out. Another thing I'm going to do with this podcast is to keep it very open and just share my thoughts or experiences with you guys because ultimately this is a place to connect and I want you to know me and feel comfortable enough to connect with the show. I think a reason why I had Katie on the show and had her on my mind was because I've really been thinking about the environment and being more eco-savvy and conscious lately. In my town, as you'll hear on the episode, they're taking away their cycling bins. And I never realized how important it was that they provided us with those. My family and I started recycling a couple years ago, and I mean, it cut our garbage in half. There's so much to recycle, and many of you listening may have curbside recycling, or it may be mandatory in your state and area. It's not here. Every day, I see so much waste, and it makes me sick because I love being outside. And furthermore, we kind of go over this in the episode, but I wanted to really hit home on it that sustainability is just how you choose to help the environment and the earth to sustain it for longevity. So recycling, supporting eco-friendly brands and companies, which we go over, and Some of the best ways I find to do this, and I'll share a couple of my tips here since I don't really do that in the live episode. I converted my family to reusable water bottles. Before, we would always use plastic and recycle them, but I quickly realized just to spend $30 to get the three of us really nice water bottles that we can just reuse, and then we're not going out and buying plastic ones every week, and yes, recycling them, but still supporting that business, you know, that's using (laughs) energy to create the plastic water bottles, and it, it all comes full circle. Besides that, I also have reusable produce bags, and no, I am not perfect using these every time. Believe me, I forget them all the time, but when I can take them, it, it makes a difference. It helps in one little way, and the same with my reusable shopping bags. I don't always remember them. Every time I do use them is a little change, and that's all that matters. Besides that, just recycle if you can. I'd say my last kind of tip to give, and we really delve into this when I'm talking with Katie, is just being conscious of food and food waste. I was always that person that forgot the leftovers in the back of the fridge, and then you go to open them, and they're not looking or smelling all that great, and you end up throwing them away. You'll hear these facts, and the food waste in America, I'm sure anywhere in the world, not to just seclude us here, but it's it's phenomenal. And so a big thing I've been trying to do is improve my food waste, and that means using up all the veggies in the veggie drawer, rotating things in the back of the fridge to the front of the fridge, cleaning out the pantry, doing anything I can to make sure that we're not putting things to waste and just throwing them out. And you know what? In the long run, that saves you money too. So if you don't do this for the earth, do this for your own own pocket. Do this to save some money. And that's the other thing we go into in this episode is budget. As you guys know, I'm not in college right now, so I don't have a college budget similar to what many of you may have. Even living at home, I still pay for all of my own things. So I do have a little budget of my own. And listening to Katie's insight into her own and how she creates it really got me thinking into ways how I can improve my own. So since that kind of turned into a long-winded rant with a lot of stumbling on my part, I'm going to wrap it up there and move on to today's guest, which I never formally introduced as Katie Wells from Sunflower in the City. You guys, this girl is my absolute soul sister, separated by a lot of distance. (laughs) We met over Instagram and quickly became friends over the most ludicrous thing you can imagine. Commenting. Yes, you heard it. Before we even messaged each other, or I don't even know if she was following me yet, I just loved her posts. And I would comment on, you know, everyone I saw because that's what I do. I'm, (laughs) I'm bubbly like that. 
And so after a while, I just started getting kind of bored with the traditional comments. So I do things like equations. So chocolate plus peanut butter equals happy taste buds and cheesy crap like that. And eventually after a while, I think she did follow me and she started commenting like that back. And so then we sent a DM saying how we loved our little comments and just kept talking. And it's been friendship ever since day one. So as you'll hear in this episode, we're actually very similar small town girls who love nature. We're kind of geeks in our own areas and we both have a talent for rambling on and having our minds go in a million directions. So we're kind of two peas in a pod. She is an absolute queen of sustainability and maintaining a budget, which is why I had her on today to the show. Besides just wanting to talk to her, I mean, let's be honest here. (laughs) She's extremely knowledgeable about these topics and honestly just blew me away with all of her statistics and facts and the heart she has behind her Instagram page and these topics that she talks about. And she has an ebook that we talk about and I highly suggest it. It's free. She just emails it to you and it is, it's so much. Like, she could charge for it and people could, it would be worth money. I mean, the recipes in it, the tips, the tricks, the ways to create your own budget and live sustainable. So if any of this relates to you, stick around because this is a good one. So without further ado, here's the wonderful Katie. Hello, Katie, and welcome to Learning to Thrive. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, Emily, I am thrilled to be talking to you and just chatting. Like, it feels like I just had you over for tea or something. We're just gonna talk and have fun. So before we get started, I just wanted to ask you, what was the favorite part of your day so far? Like, what made you smile? What got you motivated? That's such a great question. So in New York, this time of year in New York City, it's kind of rare for the sun to come out. And especially when I work uh, like a corporate job, like I'll leave work and it's dark. But it was so sunny today. It still is like the sun is coming through my window and I was able to just like chill in bed with some tea um and the sun just always cheers me up so I would say sunshine what about you hmm well I made some cookies last night and got to enjoy them just before coming on this interview and that really made me happy (laughs) (laughs) amazing cookies have the power to do that for sure cookies for sure as we get started could you just share a bit of your backstory with us just kind of give us the lowdown on who you are and just kind of take us back in time a bit to growing up in Kansas. Absolutely. So as you said, I am from Kansas. I grew up there in Wichita and that's where I was raised. That's where my family is. And then I went to college north up by Kansas City. My college was Benedictine College right on the Missouri River. So it's the one part of Kansas that's really hilly, full of trees, like cliffs looking out over the river, gorgeous in the fall. Uh, It was a small little liberal arts school, less than 2,000 students total. Um, So a little like Midwest bubble for sure. But while I was there, I actually started school wanting to be an art teacher. (laughs) Um, Growing up, I was always doing arts and crafts and creating and really delving into that side of my brain. Uh, But freshman year, my dad encouraged me uh, to take a business class, like an Excel class, just because it's good for life in general, no numbers and finance and stuff. And I was the nerd that loved it. It was an Excel-based statistics class. And I found myself loving those analytics projects and not dreading, but kind of like agonizing over my time in the art building, just laboring over random art assignments um and so I became clear that art was starting to be more of like a job or a requirement and not as fun as it used to be so I switched my path of study and ended up graduating with degrees in marketing finance international business and economics (laughs) so basically uh, my brain likes to be everywhere at once and I like to stay busy (laughs) Um, but I graduated from school in May of 2017, so a little over a year and a half ago. And after graduating, I moved to New York City uh, that June, which is a complete change. I never uh, thought 
of myself as a big city person. I'm very much nature-oriented and close relationships and, um, I don't know, just more chill, more relaxed. But my dream job opportunity opened up in New York City, and I said, go for it. I'm young. I'm 20. How old was I? 20, 22? Yeah, 22 in <laughs> June. Um, and I said, let's move to New York. So I moved here not knowing a soul. And I've been here for a year and a half um, and really loving it. I love my job. It is mentally challenging. It's a great community. Um, and so that side of it is great. But through all the numbers and the data analytics and everything that I've been doing, I found that I was kind of missing my creative outlet, per se. And I've always loved to cook. I grew up cooking. And so when I was in college, I was cooking for my friends and having people over for dinner. And then when I moved away, they were like, wait, Katie, you moved away and so did your food. Um, we want your recipes. And I had never really measured anything or done any recipes. And I kind of thought, all right, let's go for it. Let's um, convert my Instagram into a recipe sharing food foodie, collaboration, healthy, everything, fun, creative outlet. And then I met you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. And I'm so thankful to those friends to get you on Instagram so that we could meet. It's crazy how serendipitous things are. You know, I've met yes. so many awesome people through Instagram and, you know, it can theme and can be very superficial, but honestly, like this, connecting with people like you is absolutely incredible, and I wouldn't change it or give it up. Oh my gosh, I love that, and I completely agree with you. So, so you said growing up in Kansas, like taking it back a bit, you were very exposed to nature, I take it? Yeah, um, I mean, I grew up in the quote-unquote biggest city in Kansas, so I grew up in a neighborhood. But still, you drive five minutes and you're in, like, cornfields. It takes you 20 minutes to get across the entire town. And, I mean, you're kind of – you're from a small town. So, you know, like, a little bit of a small town vibe. Like, Kansas is just kind of small town vibe everywhere you go. Um, driving up to school, it was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And it was just no traffic completely through the rolling hills, the Flint Hills of Kansas. Uh, but growing up. I was a huge outdoors person. I just have brothers and we were always outside playing sports or building forts in the backyard. Um, <laughs> I had like a fort out by our mulberry trees when I was little and I used to like steal flour from the kitchen <laughs> and like mix it with water and pretend I was like baking bread in a tree for oh my, my little like tree house fort thing. I, I absolutely love that because like you said, I am from the small town and I grew up in a village outside of the small town. So it was just my brother and I, my entire life. Like he was my best friend and he still is. And when we were little, we have like a huge rock in our front yard. So we would get dirt and water and pretend like we were mixing stuff on the rock. And then we'd like put little flowers in it to decorate it and stuff. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yes. Brothers are great partners in crime. That's for sure. They definitely partners in are. Joy. Let's call them partners in joy. Yes. I, like that <laughs> I love that. I love yeah, that. But um, no, and I always, every thing about growing up in Kansas is everywhere you go is something exciting and something new. And uh, I have some family up in New Hampshire and I absolutely loved going up there uh, and just exploring in nature. And we had a giant behind my aunt's house up there and it even got to the point where I bottled like literally took an empty I think it was like a lemonade glass bottle that I had drank and washed it out and bottled the forest air to bring back home with me I, I love that <laughs> we're so similar oh my gosh I love that <laughs> so okay so why I brought that up is because I'd love to delve into the topic that you're like all about. You're sunflower in the city with a side of sustainability. And so 
I kind of wanted to make that correlation. I take it it was your nature-loving child self that kind of influenced your choice to get into sustainability nowadays. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I just wanted to know what were your thoughts when you first got to New York City and you go from small town life in Kansas with the trees and nature and just that appreciation for the beauty of it. And then you're put into New York City where I would say is definitely not so eco-friendly, nature loving. And so what were your thoughts like when you first got into the city and did you notice that change? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of what started when I really got into sustainability was actually my senior year of college. I did, we were all encouraged to do a, what is called a discovery day project. It's basically a research presentation project. And my mom had given me an article from National Geographic. I actually like have it. I'm literally staring at it right now. I pulled it out. Um, and it was about the amount of food waste that occurs and hunger insecurities and along with that. So it's like, I became really interested in this idea of I mean, growing up in Kansas and around farms, like you think you're in the middle of farmland, like you think you should have all these fresh fruits and vegetables um, ready. But I went to school in a small, like blue collar manufacturing town and the nutrition just wasn't there both in our cafeteria and for the people in the city. So I started to really explore this idea of, can we create a solution that would change the system of food waste and hunger insecurity in our immediate community. So like to back up, like give you some facts because these are what blew my mind. Um, so in the United States, when you grow like say sweet potatoes or whatever vegetables you have, 20% um, of that crop is lost in the picking and the sorting. So like when you're picking the vegetables and you're sorting them out, 20% is lost. So now you're down to 80%. So then you get to like the supermarket or the wholesalers, another 10% is lost there. So now you're down to 70% of the food that you originally had. So from there, the consumers buy it, but then they discard like 20% right there. So that is 50% of the food. That's half of the food that was originally produced that is somehow not being consumed. And that just seems like a huge discrepancy. And so like about one third of the food in the whole world goes to waste. That's enough to feed the people who suffer from hunger insecurity twice. Like, <laughs> they kind of seem connected in my mind. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was just, I was just going to say that is absolutely crazy. I mean, it makes you sick to your stomach to think, you know, of these people that are starving, you know, never enough food and all of that going to waste. It just is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, it's really grounding. Um, another statistic that I found really interesting was that school children in the U.S., dump like 40% of their lunches on average. So like go to school with this packed lunch or they'll get like a hot lunch at school and dump 40%. Uh, and that was because, I mean, when you think of hunger, you, I mean, you gravitate towards the hungry children. You know, these poor children don't necessarily have the opportunity, the nutrients to grow and thrive like I was blessed to be able to have. Um, and so there's just that discrepancy for, for there. And it could be because the food is gross. You know, like the food, they just mm -hmm. like don't want to eat it. It's just bad, gross food. And um, our cafeteria and our school got better over the years. But I just remember, like, it's not home cooking. You know, it's not like you're used to, like, your mom making food that you like. And uh, so that's where another reason why I got into cooking is how can we make this food somehow taste good and show people that this vegetables that you can get still tastes great. Um, so yeah, so that was that started my senior year of college. And then when I moved to New York City, going back to your original question after I go off on a million tangents, because that has how <laughs> my brain works. Um, <laughs> um, so when I got to New York City, it's definitely a concrete jungle. Uh, a lot of times I get asked, how was the transition from Kansas to New York? And I don't really call it a transition. I would call it more of like a switch flip. Like, you can't compare the two because they are so drastically different. I mean, I went from a small town where the closest Starbucks is a 45-minute drive 
to having every single thing I could ever need, like, at my fingertips. It's crazy. Like, the we had a Walmart where I went to school in the town and a Taco Bell and a Pizza Hut and a Mexican restaurant. And that was pretty much it. So <laughs> going from there to here where there's all of this almost surplus is was very interesting. So at school, you know, there wasn't a lot to do in the town. We kind of had to make our own fun, make our own joy, and I had to make my own food. And then coming here, everything is just very readily available. And I think so much so that you can almost lose the appreciation for what's here. And New York City is this bustling, crazy place full of energy and people are just go, go, going all the time. And it's very progress driven, uh, very goal oriented. And a lot of people are focused on work. It's just matter of fact, corporate work, bustling into the office, staying for 11, 10, 11 hours, like working through lunch, working through breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, is kind of crazy. And people will just, you know, order the food and like order breakfast, like pick up breakfast on the way, order lunch in, and then pick up takeout for dinner. And don't get me wrong, like I love exploring the healthy, healthy restaurants here in New York City. Um, but then there's also so much opportunity for fresh produce that I think can get overlooked. There's a million farmers markets here, a ton of local vendors, the Whole Foods are packed full of like local organic produce. And I just can't help but think that, you know, you buy all this amazing produce maybe with the hope of cooking it, but then the convenience of just having takeout like Grubhub, Seamless, or whatever, right there at your fingertips, the food just kind of gets forgotten because it's one less effort you have to put forth. Um, and that could be a broad generalization, but, and I mean, it happens in Kansas too, for sure. But I don't know. I guess what I'm just trying to say is I feel like there's almost a disconnect. There can be a disconnect between food and the crazy life here. People don't might not take the chance to like sit down and have dinner as a family or focus on food for lunch if they're just working from their desk. I mean, I've, I've visited a couple of times and immediately got that sense coming from a small town going there. There is a very big disconnect. I mean, even when you're sitting in the restaurants, how many people are on their phones, how many people are rushing. Yeah. So I, I think there is a big disconnect. I just, I just want to say, I think that can happen everywhere. Certainly not everyone is quote unquote guilty of it. And it's not even something you feel guilty about. It's just, I don't know, be more aware. Yes, definitely. And like you said, that can happen anywhere. Now that we've gone over that, would you mind giving us an explanation of what sustainability means to you? That's a good one. Uh, I feel like it's such a buzzword nowadays. Mm -hmm. sustainable this, sustainable that. And for someone who doesn't know what it means or what it could mean, it can almost seem daunting. And so I want to like not make it daunting. It's <laughs> sustainability to me is just, like I said, an awareness of what you're consuming. Being aware from the moment you're thinking about purchasing something to the moment you decide what to purchase, to the moment you bring it home and start to consume it, to the moment you use it and then discard it. So it's all different steps and all have different implications. So like when you're thinking about buying something, do I really need that? When you decide what to purchase, am I supporting a chain of events that I feel good about? Are the people involved in the production of whatever this is doing the right thing for the environment? And that could be, you know, reducing their carbon footprint, or are they local people that I'm supporting? Are they creating a network of jobs somewhere? Uh, that whole spectrum of things. When you bring it home, are you aware with what you just purchased and have the intent of using it? So, I mean, so often we can buy something and throw it in our pantry or throw it in our fridge, and before we know it, it's expired, and there's really nothing you can do about it, because I'm not going to tell you to eat food that's gone bad, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't want you to get mm -hmm. sick. You know, there's a line. <laughs> uh, 
um, and then how we are using it. So, you know, if we just use half of it and toss it, or we buy something that can only be used once, uh, like buying something in plastic, that plastic can't be reused again, uh, and so you just toss it. Um, and then how you are discarding of it. Are you composting? Are you recycling those glass bottles? Are you, you know, using your trash recycle everything appropriately and doing the best you can to minimize your waste? The map that I just laid out can seem so complicated because there's so many different things to think about. But at the bottom line, one of my favorite like quotes or mantras or whatever you want to call it is progress over perfection. So you can't just like wake up one day and be like, I'm going to be 100% sustainable and 100% zero waste because that's not achievable in today's society. Maybe you wake up and you say, I'm ditching this, these plastic water bottles. Um, or you say, I'm going to buy a bunch of glass mason jars to take all my food in. Or I am going to compost this week. Or I'm going to do reusable bags. There are simple things that like can make a big difference if you just incorporate one after the other and slowly take those steps. Yes. And that's so important. When I first started trying to get my family on the sustainable living, we don't have recycling in my town. And it was a few years ago that they started getting large bins. So I had to explain to my dad and my brother why we, you know, didn't need to eat off paper plates and why we could use reusable bottles instead of the plastic ones, and then why it was important to recycle. And once I got them on board, our garbage that we put on curbside, it was halved. And when my dad saw it go from, you know, like our original amount to half of that, and he realized that half of all of that could be recycled into new products, he was amazed. And since then, we've been avid Recycle recyclers. <laughs> but <laughs> that's amazing, Emily. What you were saying before about progress over perfection, it's definitely it's it's a long road and it might not be in your best interest to just up and out everything at once. You know, if if you're on a budget or if you're in a small town or you just don't have access to everything, just take baby steps. You know, every little thing helps. Yeah, absolutely. And Honestly, one of the things that I've seen going to what you keyed in on budgeting, because that's another thing that I love to do, my nerdy finance and the cost of living in New York kind of forced me to do. I have almost noticed that paying attention to sustainable choices has made budgeting and cost saving easier. So it's very interesting because it can seem like up front, like I'm buying all these glass things and I'm buying all this fresh produce. But when you look at it in the long run, you're not using, if you're not using single use, the value of those items goes up exponentially. You definitely save money. And in the beginning, I, I too had a little bit of guilt over buying all these glass jars and reusable bags. But looking back now, it just, it, it does, it does save in the long run. You just have to be able to look ahead and see that. Yeah, for sure. And even like making sure you're using the most out of your food. Like if you mm-hmm. buy carrots and you're just aware that those carrots are sitting in your fridge and you use them, you're going to get your money's worth. Whereas if you don't think about the sustainability of those carrots, as <laughs> silly as that <laughs> might sound, like you could waste the $2 or whatever that you spent on carrots. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's so true. And so when you were going into this sustainability journey, I know your mom was a big inspiration, but did you have any other people, a company or a brand along the way that inspired you? And what did you learn from them to implement into your own lifestyle? Yeah. Oh, let's see. Well, I mean, definitely my family growing up, um, my grandma's, I was a big inspiration and in how I cook and what I cook and, but I don't think the word sustainability was ever tossed around as much until I started working on my, on my project and started doing some research on my own about that. 
and I got involved and connected with different companies and different people who are fighting the good fight, however you want to call it. And I reached out because I wanted to know all the information because I'm a nerd. So I just reached out to companies that I really was inspired by what they're doing and connected with them. Some of my favorites are uh, Live Glean. I'm sure you've heard me rave about them on my stories. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just wonderful. Um, Laura is the founder and her brother, and they were working in the sweet potato agriculture industry and saw that waste that I was talking about in picking and sorting and wanted to do something about it. So they started with sweet potatoes, and now they have cauliflower and beets and pumpkin that they take those veggies that were going to be thrown away, dehydrate them and turn them into flour. And so not only do they give the consumers a product that they can purchase and like reduce the waste, but for every pound of product that they purchase, that you purchase from them, they donate a pound to the hungry. So there we go. There's my joint solution, you know, feeding the hungry. So I love, love them. Dignity Coconut is another company. They make coconut oils and lip balms. And their approach to sustainability is all-encompassing in the fact that they have created um, like a manufacturing plant over in the Philippines because to create their coconut oil because they didn't want to just, I don't know, impact sustainability in a small sector. They wanted to build an actual system that would inspire dignity, hence the name Dignity Coconut. So over in their manufacturing plant over the Philippines, they employ local workers from beginning to end of the process. So local growers, local farmers, local producers, they give uh, women and children an opportunity to live in a comfortable environment and support themselves. And I don't know, every jar that you get is in a glass beautiful little glass jar that you can recycle and use again and it's even signed by the woman who packaged it so that's a different angle of sustainability like sustainable economic um processes I was an economics major in school so that is another interesting uh side of my nerdiness (laughs) um let's see what other companies oh like companies like imperfect produce that's out on like the west coast and I think creeping over to Chicago where you can choose to buy the ugly produce that the supermarket would waste. Uh, In New York and the East Coast, they have Misfits Market, which started last year. And I've gotten a bunch of boxes from them, which I love. It's just a giant box of veggies and fruit that gets dropped off at your doorstep. Like, that's the best present ever. (laughs) Um, And their packaging is all biodegradable and things of that nature. And I mean, there's a ton of other ones, but it goes back to just being mindful and being aware of what you're doing. Like before I buy a product, I love to do my research on the company to know that I'm just supporting, supporting like sustainable channels of growth and production. That's so, so important to look for in a company or brand. And I absolutely love those three that you mentioned. I've never heard of the Dignity Coconut, but I want to look that up now. Yeah, they're really cool. Their story online is awesome. And I had the opportunity to talk to the founder and his sister and just hearing their passion. It's real cool. Like we said before, this practice of mindful living, sustainability, either way you want to call it, does not have to be time consuming or costly. And a lot of the times, the practices that we've been talking about can be implemented into everyday life. In your ebook, that if nobody has, they should definitely reach out to you and get. You share (laughs) some food focused and just lifestyle focused tips that just astounded me. And so, could you just share a few little practices, tips, or routines that if someone wanted to start living more sustainably, they could maybe start with these ones to kind of get their feet in the water? Yeah, absolutely. So my ebook, Simply Sustainable, was a fun little project that I just wanted to get out there to help people guide them through start to finish on how to do sustainable practices. And I take it step by step. So at the beginning, I start with doing a budget 
you know, how to create a budget for your food. There's an outline because you have to be aware of, okay, what money do I have coming in? What fixed expenses do I have? Like, am I paying for my housing? Am I paying for like student loans or other fixed expenses that I have? And then you kind of extrapolate to find your like foodie budget from there. So, I mean, not everyone is going to cook their own food for every single meal of the day. Like you're going to go out with friends, you're going to do all this stuff. So the beginning of the week, make a total. How many times do I plan to eat out? If you're going to eat out a lot that week, you might be cooking less. You know, just make sure those are adjusted so you don't have that extra food waste. Once you figure out how many meals that you're going to be cooking, you can kind of, you know, get some inspiration. Now, inspiration from your pantry. I think that one is often overlooked. You know, you can just look for recipes online or just think of what you want to eat. And the stuff that you already have can get lost. So just like open up your freezer, open up your pantry and just take a look and be like, oh, I have quinoa and fire roasted canned diced tomatoes. Like, let's make soup. Um, and then you can throw in other fun items from there. So inspiration from your pantry. And then I always look from a budget perspective at what's on sale. So <laughs> have you seen the TV show Chopped on Food Network? Yes, I was going to mention how to get rid of pantry goods because I found we were forgetting the deep, dark pantry back. So oh, yeah. a couple times. Black hole. Yes. <laughs> and so we pulled four or five pantry ingredients out and my brother and I had to see who could make the better meal out of it. And it gets you in the creative mindset. And then you're using those things up. And a lot of the times it's delicious unless it goes terribly wrong. Yeah, I, I love Chopped and <laughs> we've reenacted yeah, it here. Yeah, So like when I look at the sales online, I like to play Chopped with the sales. Like, <laughs> okay, there's like carrots and kale and lemons or whatever random ingredients that are on sale. And then you're like, I will make something with all of those this week. And for someone who doesn't cook or isn't, really familiar with flavors and textures and things like that doesn't hasn't spent as much time in the kitchen as maybe you or I have it can seem like daunting just being like I'm gonna put these random ingredients together and something will work and you you're gonna learn how to cook by just doing it also there's sites online that you can type in I have this ingredient this ingredient this ingredient and it'll like come up with recipes for you oh that is so, so neat yeah I found that randomly which is really <laughs> cool so <laughs> So doing that forces you to be creative in the kitchen and cut costs because you're shopping the sales. But then also a lot of times what's on sale is what's in season. So like if you go to Whole Foods, a lot of the vegetables that are on sale are what's in season that year or what is local that year, which promotes sustainability in the long run because what's in season um, takes less energy to produce and the local is less transportation costs to produce. So that's like a trifecta of greatness. <laughs> Everyone go play chops with your supermarket. So then like when you get that food, you want to make sure that you use all of it really. So like if I go to a local farmer's market, a lot of times the carrots will have the big green leafy tops on the end. And I just like to use carrots as an example. Apparently I've talked about carrots like 17 times already. Anyway, <laughs> so they'll have those lean, green leafy tops. Well, you could just like cut them off and throw them away, but they're actually really delicious. You can turn them into pesto. You can turn them into like a sauce to put on top. You can add them to a soup. Uh, so just making sure that you're mindful about using the entire vegetable. More bang for your buck in that way. Let's see, what other tips do I have? Oh, I love my freezer. I have a normal sized fridge in my apartment. I live in a studio by myself and it is packed full of food for one person. <laughs> because like I'll make food and oftentimes I make a little bit too much food mm -hmm. um, or I am planning on eating something for lunch but then I end up grabbing lunch with a coworker or doing something like that so I could have this food that I made that's just going to sit in my fridge and then going bad before it could get eaten or I have mason jars in my fridge full of random leftovers that I've frozen so that when I 
like don't have time to cook or I go on vacation and I come back and my fridge is empty. I have fresh homemade freezer meals, quote unquote, that are right there that I can use them. And that food hasn't gone bad and I'm cost saving because I don't have to like buy a bunch of new produce or I don't have to eat out. That's another one of my favorite tips is freezer. Also, if you have greens that are about to go bad, throw them in a bag and put them in the freezer. They can go in anything, soups, smoothies, sauteing stuff. I put greens in everything. I put frozen spinach in everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think those are my, some of my top tips, I'd say. Oh, and then, like you said, the deep, dark pantry. Like, how can we prevent the deep, dark pantry from happening? Maybe just keep a list, like, on the side of your fridge or, like, in the cabinet door of your pantry and be knowledgeable about everything that you have in there. And everyone is different. Like I said, progress over perfection. Like, if you have my ebook, I don't expect you to, like, adopt every single one of the things that I suggest. I mean, I don't even do every single one of those things on a daily or weekly basis. But they're just, like, little tips to get you more mindful. I mean, my mind works where I know every single thing in in my fridge. Just, I don't know if I'm abnormally, like, food-focused or whatever. (laughs) But my roommate in college, like, would just, completely forget about stuff she had in the fridge just because she was thinking about other things and neither situation is right or wrong it's just everyone can find what works for them just little baby steps I'm curious personally how did you get into this budget mindset I mean I know the cost of New York City had to have been a factor but what prompted you to really like buckle down and I guess, well, you went to school for all the business, correct? Is that kind of what got you into this very budget-focused mindset? Yeah, I'd say it's kind of always been there. Like, growing up, I was always very much a saver. Um, Any, like, chores that I did, like, extra chores around the house to get, like, a quarter. I think I would iron a shirt for a nickel or something of that nature. Um, (laughs) And like I would save them. And from an early age, my dad and my mom, you know, taught us how to work a bank account and just be mindful about what we were spending our hard earned money on. And I mean, I remember we would take bike rides to Super Target to go to the candy aisle. And like, it was so exciting and adventure to like spend our hard earned money on like peach gummy rings or whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so when I moved to college, I, like I said, I loved cooking for people. And I mean, everyone is skimping money in college and everyone's spending money on different things. And I wanted people to have a good meal. And so I would spend the money to buy ingredients and cook big dinners for people. And I found ways of buying in bulk and using coupons and everything, I could cook a giant meal for everyone and not spend a lot of money. And it was like the best party ever. I would, I would hands down, I mean, I'm probably one of the rare college students out here, but I would hands down spend money on like a giant, I don't know, Mexican feast for my friends than like having a bunch of beer and wine or whatever and throwing a party like that. But uh, (laughs) like you guys can have all, I'll take care of all the food. (laughs) But just like the opportunity to cook and provide for people and just do all of that on a budget was very cool. And like, it's so cool to like have a job and earn money, but then also like doing everyday things to earn money. I use an app called Ibotta, which is a rebate app. So like I went to Whole Foods earlier today and got some stuff. And then you scan your receipts and certain items like have rebate dollar amounts. And so I think I got like $5.25 back. And it's like making money. Like you didn't even spend money. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, moving to New York is definitely a factor. I want to be able to do things I enjoy or be involved with things that I enjoy. I belong to one of the top gyms here just because they have a bunch of group exercise classes and that's really a big release for me and a big source of like endorphins and almost like therapy like I love this gym but it's expensive so okay where am I going to cut costs in other areas so that I can spend more money on this or I want to live by myself in New York that comes with a big price tag like how am I going to support that month-to-month living expense like where can I not 
skimp, but just look for the better option as far as other things that I do. And I mean, one of the easiest places I think to cut costs is food because it's something you have to do every day, multiple times a day. (laughs) So why not start there? I think that really plays into the idea of determining needs from wants and then how to fuse them together. Well, you are just a well of knowledge on all sustainability and budget. Do you have any goals for 2019 for your own like sustainability budget journey, if you've made any? First of all, you're too kind for saying I'm a wealth of knowledge. I'm really <laughs> just a person who is a nerd and likes to rant. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. Um, but goals for 2019. I, so this year I did something a little bit different where I did bucket list instead of goals. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm all about goal setting. I'm very much achievement oriented. It's just how my personality works. Like I'm always setting goals and having like a personal mission statement and all that. But I wanted to kind of like lighten things up this year and just be like, this is my bucket list. (laughs) But there's still like goalie things on there. So one of them is I loved writing my first ebook um, and loved just the positive feedback and people saying that they learned a lot from it. So I made it a bucket list item to write like five more ebooks throughout the year. So that's one of them. So there, there are things like that. What else? Oh, I want to do a mother daughter trip this year. We've done multiple mother daughter trips in the past, but um, get out and don't go do something with my mom again. So that's on my bucket list. Uh, other goals. I'm a group fitness instructor uh, at my gym and currently I just teach two formats of classes and I want to get trained in another format. Not sure what that is yet. So that's another bucket list item. And then as far as what we were talking about, about budgeting and sustainability, I still use like a lot of paper. Like I'm, I'm a, like at work, I'm a printer and I write out stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I love handwritten stuff. And that's great. Like if you're sending a letter to someone, like I'm not going to tell you like skip the letter and send a text. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) But just reducing like my paper waste in that. Like I still use parchment paper and that's fine because it can be like paper recycling is a great market and there's a high demand for recycled paper. But just reducing that a little bit is my goal for 2019. Yeah. And one suggestion I'll give for the parchment paper because I was going through it like crazy. Um, there's this company I found through Amazon and they're called USA Pans and they make non-toxic, non-stick pans. I forget the exact formula they use. They are legitimately non-stick and I use mine probably three times a day. And I mean, no it's, way. yeah, and it, it saves money too. You're not buying parts yeah. of paper. And the pan was only probably... I think $18 and it's huge, like huge size. So that's, that's one place you can look for that goal too. Yeah. Thank you for that. Cause I mean, I definitely have nonstick pans that are, are stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So I'm totally going to have to look those up. So we'll just do one closing rapid fire question. I'm, I'm ready, ready, ready. Okay. What would be your dream job in your dream location? Um, a caterer in Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh, I love that. I was not expecting <laughs> that. That just came out of nowhere. I love it. <laughs> like a, a, cat, a caterer or cafe owner in Austin, Texas. Boom. That is amazing. <laughs> well, I really hope you get to that point because I would, if you had the cafe, I'd be there. I'd, I'd fly down to see you. I would love that. Dreams. Dreams yes. for sure. Yes. <laughs> Okay, we'll do one more. What's okay. one what's one health hack you can't live without? Ooh. Health hack I can't live without. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say collagen. I love me some collagen peptides. I have bad like tummy issues and I have definitely noticed a difference in repairing my gut lining from mixing collagen in my coffee. Also, if you blend it, it's like a homemade latte. So uh, that is my trendy foodie health hack. That and hot lemon water in the morning. That's more achievable. Hot lemon water. Yeah. <laughs> I, used to, <laughs> I used to be real big on collagen. 
And then I went vegetarian for a while, but I'm having some hormone issues and I've been contemplating adding collagen back in just to kind of give my body a boost. But yeah, I know I, I used to really like it when I did, when I did use it. it, it dissolves so easily into pretty much anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just from like a cost saving standpoint, I eat primarily plant-based nowadays, except for like collagen, good quality, sustainably produced collagen. What brand do you use? I use Further Food. Oh, sweet. I just found them the other day and I've been contemplating if they're the brand I would go with if I make the choice to get back on it. So yeah, they're a good one. Woman owned it, women owned and founded power to the girls and completely sustainable. That is so neat. Yeah. Okay. So if people want to find you and follow along your journey, maybe message you about your ebook, where can they find you? So I'm on the lovely Instagram platform that brought us together. Yes. <laughs> um, Katie Wells, but that's a very broad name. So search for sunflower underscore in the city. And that's where you can find me. And feel free to DM me and message me. I'd love to connect with you all. I'm big on actually building IRL relationships. <laughs> and I'll, I'll include your Instagram handle in the show notes. So if people want to find you, they can get it from there. And I highly suggest go check out her page. Her recipes are phenomenal and her stories make me smile every day. Sweetest Emily. I love it. Aww, well, thank you so much for coming on, Katie. And I absolutely loved getting to talk to you. Likewise, it's as real life as we can get when we're in two different cities. Thank goodness for technology. Thank you guys for listening so much. I hope you found Katie to be as funny and knowledgeable as I did. She certainly knows what she's talking about and is just such a light in this world and on Instagram. If you don't follow her, she is at sunflower underscore in the city and has the best recipes and stories. If you're interested in her ebook, shoot her a DM and she'll email it to you. It's free and has so much information, tips, and recipes in it, even a way to reuse banana peels. And as for next week's guest, she too is absolutely wonderful. I cannot wait to share her with you guys. And if you want a sneak peek, keep an eye on my stories as I'll probably be gushing over her after the interview. She is such an inspiration. And remember, if you liked this, please rate, review, or subscribe, as that is truly the best way to get more people listening. And the more people listening, the better. Tag me on your stories if you're listening to the podcast, as I'd love to see where and what you guys are doing while you listen to me ramble on with a very insightful guest each week. Until next time, bye!